Hey everyone, I'm Brian Conley of Hunters HD Gold, and you're listening to Season 2 of Hunters HD Gold Behind the Lens. This podcast takes a deep dive into what it takes to be a match director, manufacturer, sponsored shooter, or just an everyday shooter trying to win his or her first major. So sit back and enjoy this episode of Hunters HD Gold Behind the Lens. Welcome back to another episode of Hunter's HD Go Behind the Lens. Today I'm sitting down with a friend of mine who got started not too long ago, um, Alex Mansfield. How you doing, Alex? I'm doing good, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Man, good. I'm glad to finally have you on. We've been I've been on your podcast before. I appreciate you having me on there. And your um, Manny Talk shooting is um, seems to be doing pretty well. I think you're pretty happy with that, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can only go up from here, but I'm very thankful for my viewership and uh, everyone supporting me. So that's awesome. Well, you've only been shooting for how long? Uh, I started USPSA in October of 2020. Okay. And what, what's your classification? Uh, currently a B class working on A. Okay, cool. Good deal. So when did you even start shooting? When did this, how far does this go back? Is this something you did with your, your family when you was growing up? What did this look like? Mostly when we, with my family growing up, uh, we were around guns all the time. A big hunting family um, up here in uh, the lower peninsula of Michigan. Uh, mostly shotguns because that's all we can use here for deer hunting, but mostly mm-hmm. a deer hunting family. Uh, we'd own some property, but other than that, pistols really weren't a thing. Um, my mother and my father really weren't big about self-defense or, you know, pistols in the home. So, mm-hmm. but we had our few hunting objects and, but other than that, like I grew up and it was part of our life, but not really big. Did you go hunting with your, your dad with shotguns? Uh, well, he, the first time I ever went hunting with him, he actually took out his, um, I think it was a Smith and Wesson six shot 357 Magnum. We were sitting out in the side of a cornfield, a uh, family property, and it was fun. But no, uh, shotguns usually were with my uncle. My uncle was bigger in my uh, growing up with uh, firearms. My parents split up when I was early on. So, right. but other than that, yeah, it's been that's cool. Now, when your uncle he took you took you out, is that something that he really got you started in the in the hunting side of things more? Yeah, he did. He uh, he'd take me over opening day. Um, we'd always have a ritual, and we'd always have. Uh, uh, that side of the family is super big. Uh, like they had like, I think on that side, there was like 12 brothers, no, six brothers. I'm sorry, but six brothers and they all had four or five kids. So everybody, it was really? a big family. So my aunt was very nice and always cooked uh, sausage, uh, gravy, biscuits and gravy breakfast for everybody. And right. she, uh, she, it was a labor of love, but she loved doing it. So we'd always do that opening morning and uh, go out, we'd see some things. I'd fall asleep. Some, some, I get usually kicked and be like, Hey, look, there's something over there. Right. Never we uh he shot some things, but I was more along for the ride, the experience. Okay, good deal. When you um were you know what did, when did you did you start protecting yourself at home when you were out or when you finally moved out? What did that look like? Um, I didn't really get back into firearms until I was twenty two. Uh, for, I'm almost twenty eight now, so okay. it's been six or so years now that I've taken myself protection kind of seriously. I getting uh back into gunfire firearms ownership. So. Okay, who who influenced them? Um, honestly, social media and, okay. um, uh, like YouTube, I was a very much a, uh, YouTube holic. I always like watching a lot of YouTube. So, okay. Kind of got me back into it. And, um, so, so you're basically just searching YouTube and, and, and guns are automatically populated up in your searches or how did that, was that something, you know, cause some, not many people that don't have guns and then all of a sudden you're in a situation where you're finding them on YouTube. Is that just a, was that a search you did or was it, how'd that, what, what'd that do? Probably I, I, you know, you always get influenced on the internet, uh, knowing a lot of uh, friends, they were always into it kind of thing, you know, and you'd hear a little bit and, uh, they'd say, Hey, go check this out. So you, you click it once and then it mm-hmm. generates your feed. And back in the day, it was 
a little more gun friendly at that point. So right. it was easier to find instead of nowadays where it's so hidden on the internet. How'd that make you feel when you first started seeing guns? Was that something that you were just entertained by or was it more of a fascination? What was that, you know, what was that like? Um, it was always a fascination. I like, you know, I was never afraid of guns and it was always cool. You learn more about them. So someone tells you about, Hey, this cool shotgun. I'm like, well, I don't know really how, how semi-automatic shotguns work. So, you know, you look it up and mm-hmm. watch it. Plenty of reviews on the internet from people who really don't know what they're talking about, but you know, you find out enough good information out there. So, so you went from shotguns a lot. Mm-hmm. You, like you said, when did you do your first, um, handgun? Uh, back when I was 22, I went, you know, learned about, um, who was that? Probably some major back in the day, probably, I hate to say this, but nothing fancy. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He was, a a uh, he's a gun reviewer back in the day. He kind of stopped making content now, but he was out in Utah and just running and gunning and kind of showing the cool aspects of being able to be proficient with firearm and, uh, at some form of speed. So, mm-hmm. Did you did you play video games and stuff? Being, yeah, I was. was, that, was I it? grew up in the age of video games, and I think my mother actually hates me for it. <laughs> I I don't have a time for video games now, but yeah, right. I grew up with Call of Duty and uh, Modern Warfare and stuff like that. So. so is that where you think some of that the gun aha could have came from as well? Maybe a little bit, but I was maybe a little bit, but not not too much. Yeah. Okay. So when you when you go to protect yourself for a farm for the first time, was this something that you were thinking about it as protection or just thinking about it as you wanted to have one? No, it was definitely for protection. My okay. wife and I, you know, we were living alone at the time and uh, we had just bought a house. So I was like, well, I don't have any in the home at the moment. I hadn't moved all of my other firearms that I'd go- gotten as a child over to the house yet. I was like, well, we need something. So mm-hmm. it's not like we live in a terrible neighborhood, but I'd rather have it, not need it than need it, not have it. No, I understand that. Does, does your wife um, how does she feel about guns? Oh, she loves guns. Now that, uh, you know, I've gotten her, you, the first couple of years, she was really hesitant. It's like, oh, you got to keep those locked up. And it's like, well, they're not going to hurt you. They're an inanimate objects. Mm-hmm. So you were married when you first decided to get, get a gun and everything like yep. that? Um, either we were married at the time or uh, we were engaged at the time. So. Wow. So you so you definitely got, you know, gun, gun ownership late mm-hmm. in that situation. So when you went from just having a gun in the house, you know, and then you started finding out about the shooting sports, you know, is that something just that popped up on YouTube as well? Um, at that point I was very much into the self-defense kind of listenings like on podcasts and YouTube. So I'd gotten influenced by different podcasts I was listening to and they'd bring out sometimes like a competitive shooter, like uh, a really big podcast, uh, the firearms nation podcast with Arik Levy. Oh, I, I love his podcast. I, yes. I, I do love him and his audio quality. It is very oh, crispy, but yeah, yeah. So listening to people on, uh, the Firearms Nation, like Tim Heron, uh, JJ Rakaza, you know, them thinking about being performance, you know, performance based shooting, um, you know, and then think about it with self-defense. It kind of brought me like, well, if I want to be a better self-defender for my family, I should think about competing. Wow. Did you when you hear when you hear all these names you just talked about, like Tim Heron and other people that you were listening to, was that something that you wanted to meet these people one day or you just just. Because you, 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 from what I understand so far, you just kind of went from a, a casual gun owner and you jumped in with both feet. And that's why I'm trying to figure out where that really, the passion from that just made you go like, I'm here. You I know? have a very addictive personality. Okay. I like okay. video games when I was younger, you couldn't pull. My mom hated video games and TV like okay. no other. Like you need she'd pull the plug all the damn time. Right, right, right. So I'd be sitting there and, you know, I dealt, I deep dive. So I hear about Tim Heron on Arik Levy. And then I started looking him up on, you know, on YouTube or right. the internet and you find out, Oh, this guy knows what he's effing talking about. Right. Right. Well, that's cool. So when did you 
did you ever, did you go to first match was IDPA or was it something at the local range? Or, you know, through a defense class. What? How'd you um, get into competitive side of it? Well, uh, so I hear all these people on the internet. So I buy gear. I plan to start shooting like March of 2020. But guess what happened in 2020? COVID. Yep. So ranges shut down a little bit. Ammo dried up. And you bought gear first. Mm -hmm. I bought some gear first. Yeah. Just based on recommendations that you saw online or, you know, watching YouTube, watching YouTube, figuring out people, what people were using currently at that time. I think a lot of people were using uh, ghost uh, USA products. And so that's what I started with. And it was relatively inexpensive to start gear. So you buy that and you see where it worked. And I made that, I made a mistake doing that because when I first started shooting, it was cowboy shooting and I started went and bought a bunch of stuff I thought. And then when I got out there in two months later, I realized I threw everything away I had and bought the real stuff I needed. So <laughs> I still have some of that gear sitting around, but it's definitely in the box of I'm not going to use it unless something breaks. Right. But it's still there. But yeah, it, it served me well for the little time that I've used it so far. So, mm-hmm. well, cool. So when you're in a situation where did you, well, what, tell me about your first match when you went to the first match. Uh, the first match I actually went to was an outlaw match. Um, it was actually, it was an outlaw match after I took my first Tim Heron class. Okay. So we had the the class and then we had the match. So we shot the match up there and it was a good match. Uh, I learned a lot so far at that point. Um, so I was fairly confident. I wasn't, didn't have to worry about anything about safety. I was very, you know, safe gun handling and I was able to start really thinking about the minutia of the sport, you know, being able to like, well, start gaming things at that point, not really having to worry about to shoot what I can see. So when you first saw it, was it a sport or a hobby? It's a sport. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see it as a sport, but I'm very, I have addictive personality and I want to be the best I can be. So I, right. I consider this a sport. Did you play sports growing up? Um, yes. Uh, early on, like I probably was one of those kids who got stuck at soccer at three or four years old and okay. went till probably was about 12. And then after that, I started, uh, uh, took a break off and then I start. I was a high school competitive swimmer. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's a, definitely an individual. Yes. Well, sport it's a, yeah, somewhat a team well. sport, but definitely well, about yeah. Uh, but definitely about being an individual. How far did you go with it? Um, I played. I was on varsity for three of my four years. Um, for my uh, high school swim team, I did fairly well. My main stroke was the breaststroke, so I was doing the hundred yard breaststroke. Wow. Did you ever think about doing that in college? No, I was never that good nor dedicated to do all of the hard things the rest of the team did. <laughs> right. Well, now, when you say dedicated, was it was it a body thing or just a... Yeah, I, d- I wasn't okay. willing to give up, change my diet and go to the gym a lot like the rest of them were. So okay. I was like, I did it. But that back then, I was competitive and it was a sport, but I was definitely like, I'm not that dedicated yet. Right. Well, so... You stepped away from the sports mm-hmm. and you jumped back into the farms and you called it a sport. So mm-hmm. there was never like a hobby when you got started. You want to go into a, a full sport mode. No, it, I, it's definitely a sport to me, but it's fun. So okay. I can see as people saying it as a hobby. Well, no, and, and so many hobbies get started as a hobby and they find out they can succeed and they and it's when it moves into a sport. And mm-hmm. that's that's kind of how I look at it. And that could be Plenty of people could disagree with that all day long. But my thing was, is that's why I was wanting to know, you know, when you jumped to it as a sport, did you feel competitive when you first got into it to, to make it that sport? Or is that just competitive juices coming back from swimming? Oh, I'm yeah, it's competitiveness of myself. And yeah, I can see where it's competitive and you want to have competitive equity and mm-hmm. being um, as consistent as possible. So. so how long were you um, shooting before you decided to do an RO program? So I started in October. I took my RO seminar in February of 21. Okay. So just the next the next year. Yep. What made you want to be an RO so fast? Learn all the rules. 
to be know what I can know and be a better person and help my local clubs. But yeah, I was more at that point to know the rules that I don't know now. Okay. What did you, did you feel like it made you a better competitor knowing the rules? Right. And making sure that we were able to get a fair score on everybody and not, oh, I think it's this rule. No, this is how this happens. This Mm -hmm. is how we do this here. Okay. So when you went to your RO class, what was your biggest aha moment? Um, my biggest aha moment, honestly, was that I didn't know a lot about the sport at that time. So okay. I learned a vast majority um, that I didn't know. Explain. You know, you know the rules, you know the range commands probably by that time. And, you know, well, you got to be inside the shooting area, two hits per paper. But you didn't know about, like on Virginia count, um, a lot of you know penalties you can incur or stacking. And then you got to think about other things. <clears throat> uh, so it definitely makes the sport more intricate at that point instead of just shooting at cardboard paper. Yeah. I remember taking the RO class and the hardest part I had in the class for me personally was when they brought out the overlays Mm -hmm. and we had to, you know, they brought samples in of calls that were scored in, in nationals or other major competitions. And and how would you score those? Mm -hmm. Was that hard, difficult to you? What, how did you feel about that part of the class? Cause that That, was the most intriguing to me. Yes. It it was very eye opening to be like, well, are you, and then you get explained why the call is what it is. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, that makes sense now. Now that I know that like a lot of these calls here today, they are, you know, they're just easier after you look at them. And sometimes it takes an eye to get to these, to make those right calls. But that's Mm -hmm. what we really want is to make those right calls. Did you ever feel when you were a a young RO and did you feel people would try to take advantage of that to try to get calls going their way? Yes and no. Some people just don't know what they don't know. And like, like most, most shots, there's those radial tears off of a, of a bullet hole. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, that's the, that's the bullet. Well, it's like, no, let's look at this little piece of plastic and this overlay and we'll look at this together. Right. But you're, but you're a gamer yourself. Mm -hmm. So do you understand how to make it easier for people to see things that they don't see being a gamer to be able to be competitive in your sport? Yeah, I would say I, I, and I can show them. It's like, well, here's what we got here. And I'll, you know, I give the shooter the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give them every opportunity to get the score that they deserve. Right. I'm not trying to screw anybody. I'm not trying to give anyone a competitive advantage over anyone. Right. Just make it a plain, equal playing field. Right. Is maybe, maybe, um, ROed majors before we've had to come across the different competitive shooters like that. Yes. I've definitely seen my fair share of top level shooters. Um, um, the super squad is not anything new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe today I've seen some higher level shooters than some other shooters today, right. but, uh, right. definitely, uh, they're, everyone's the same. Everyone gets the same score. And, uh, that's so cool. So after you become an RO mm-hmm. pretty quick, after you got started shooting, you know, did you, when did you want to take your, have you taken any training classes? Yep. I've taken a, I've taken another Tim Heron class after that. So I've taken two, um, full two day instruction classes from Tim. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hoping to get another class in this year with somebody, but it just didn't lay out with how the majors are this year for me, mm-hmm. um, time and money-wise. So, um, What drew you to Tim? Uh, Tim was very approachable. Well, one, first fact is I am taller than Tim, so that makes me feel a little more confident. <laughs> Fair enough. But um, Tim was very approachable, and he explained things to the common man, and he really loves to show everyone everything. Get the, See, he likes seeing those light bulbs turn on for people. Okay. So he's there for the D-class shooter. He's there for the GM who wants to get to the next level. Okay. How, where did you go after class? Did you see your scores improve vastly or what did that look like? Yeah, I've seen, I saw some upticks in my scores pretty quick, but uh, he definitely was able to take my athleticism, my aggressiveness on movement and uh, showed me, hey, you're, you're fast, but let's get you fast and accurate. Okay. 
Did um, have you wanted to take any more classes or anybody else? I do. I really want to take. Uh, I need to get a hold of Jessica Ricasa because I want to get a JJ class up here. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just time and effort, and uh, been a little busy with the schedule, so it's definitely right. time management that way. Uh, if I can't get JJ, we're gonna see about getting Mason here. What's the shocking, most shocking thing about USPSA as a sport? Is it the expense, or is it the um, just the Everything that goes into it. What what makes you, you know, what was your biggest aha moment there when you first, you know, you're not in the sport. All mm -hmm. of a sudden you come in. What was your biggest like, whoa, let me take this a little bit slower than I thought. Well, it's not the price of com competing is not just bullets and match fees. Say that it's right. all the other add ons. You know, everyone will talk about how co costly it is to get into open or whatnot, mm -hmm. which it is. But it's an investment, just like everything, you know, investment right. in your vehicle, right. you know, all your things at home, you know, your couch and your sofa, whatever. It's just. It all adds up over time. It does, but when you talk about stuff you just mentioned, that's stuff you share with your with your wife or your, right. or your or your partner. But in this situation, this is all about you. Yeah, well, she gets a kick out of it too, so it's quite nice. She's going to start competing here eventually. Is she really? Yep. Okay. She's taking it at her own time. I'm not pressuring her. She's doing it on her own, you know, own choices. She just like she's like, I want to do that. I'm like, okay. Did she come to you about that and say she wanted to do it, or you went to her about it? Nope. She came to me and she's like, all right, pick out a gun. Are you wanting to start off in Steel Challenge or riding USPSA? Um, I think we're going to start off in Steel Challenge in the winter just to get her used to pulling the trigger, but then she really wants to just shoot USPSA. Okay. Did you do any Steel Challenge yourself? I have not. I am our, really? I am a Steel Challenge endorsed RO, but I have not mm -hmm. actually shot any Steel Challenge. So you went directly into USPSA and nothing else? Correct. You, do you think you missed something by not doing Steel Challenge yet? Or do you not know because you don't have it shot Steel Challenge really understand? I can see where Steel Challenge definitely can improve my Steel game. And mm -hmm. that is the plan over the winter is to right. shoot some Steel Challenge. What do you think it you think it do more than just shooting Steel? As far as shooting, what do you, what do you think about the um, accuracy and pulling the trigger? Well, the accuracy of pulling the trigger, but it's honestly, it's like being able to see what you need to see and see that Steel move and where you need to see your sights or your dot on that seal and then get the tri trigger press. But it it lets you uh, play with the speed and vision of it. Okay. Good. Do you do, all, do a lot of dry firing when you're home or anything like that for your training? Um, I usually do. I do a lot of dry fire. I have slowed down a bit with, you know, with all the majors and uh, busyness at this club. So, so you're into this. We're 2021. You did your um, RO class. Mm -hmm. Then 2022, did you, you shot a lot more in 2022 as far as where we're at so far as, you know, cause you all of a sudden you, in 2022, you decided, I want to jump into a podcast mm -hmm. and do everything. What's the thought process behind that when you decide you want to, you know, do something like that? What, I, I want to understand what your viewpoint was to say, I want to do that. Well, I, I was, I have a podcast junkie. I listened to a lot. I had a lot okay. on my phone. So I was listening to Steger, Arik Levy, um, the Hit Factor podcast or the perfect double. What do you think was missing then? Cause if you list, cause I, I did this because against my will. <laughs> I, did, I didn't want to do a podcast. I was talked into by another gentleman doing it because I thought there was plenty of great podcasts out there already. They didn't need me being another voice out there. But what was, did you, did you feel there was a certain hole you could feel? It was a selfish hole. I okay. wanted to talk to people. I wanted to learn. Okay. And that was the easiest way to get a hold, get a hold of somebody without spending hours messaging back and forth. It's like, Hey, you want to come on a podcast? And luckily enough, my best friend, uh, Brian Levy out of Texas, was my first victim on the podcast. So. Right. Oh, so it's more of, I like that. So that's, so you wanted to get in there and just, that was a way to meet people mm -hmm. to learn more about the shooting sports. Learn about yourself. the sport, learn about technique, and just honestly have a great conversation with somebody. Mm-hmm.
I mean, I have to do it over the internet, but I'm able to learn and become friends with a lot of great shooters who actually care about me. Right. They want to make me better. Right. So I'll, they'll message me and see, how are you doing? You know, do you need any help? Do you need any tips? I'm like, I'm doing fine, but yeah, I'll take it. But doing that, you get to see behind the curtain mm-hmm. as well. And sometimes that's not as pretty as it may have been when you first got started in, you know, 2020 or 2021. Cause since you've been in, mm-hmm. things have turned. A lot of things well, have turned upside down. Well, the thing that they have, but the general shooter don't know about it. Right. Doesn't know about it at all and doesn't care. They don't they care. W- they want to come out and shoot. So when you get into the nitty gritty, when you start talking to these people behind, you know, the lines of, of what everybody else sees, what is that? How did how did you handle that when you first got to see behind the curtain? Because I know how I felt, mm-hmm. but how did you really feel when you like you know you got to see what's really going on out there? When I first got behind the, the curtain, as you say, it's uh, it was eye opening and shocking that all that goes on, and mm-hmm. it's like, and you're right, the local shooter, the person who comes at the club matches, really doesn't care what's going on in the org. Right, the org is moving on; it's just doing just fine to them. But uh, you know, you get swept up all in the the. the crappy drama nowadays and it's like at this point i could care less about the drama it's just okay. it, well, it's there but i i observe it and i like i don't let it affect me well i do want to talk about that a second let's take a quick commercial break from one of our sponsors and we'll get right back and we'll want to touch on that some more okay mm-hmm. a gold is a premier lifestyle brand for those who work hard and play harder there are many hemp companies out there that get lost in the crowd, but Conic Gold sets the gold standard with its premier line of products. When traveling all around with a Magical Mystery Tour to different matches, I travel around with lots of different flavors, including pink grapefruit, candy apple, and vanilla cherry. Make sure to stop by and get some for yourself. They are all zero calories, zero sugar, use organic hemp, and are THC and CBD free. Competitive shooters love them because there's no shakes, no headaches, and no crash. When you order from conagoldhemp.com, make sure to use discount code HUNTERSHD for another 20% off. So we're in a situation where we're at the end of July. Mm-hmm. A lot has happened. A lot of um, decisions have been made. Do you, as a podcaster, feel concerned with things you've seen that the minutes released and people being suspended and stuff like that. Does that give you a concern with a voice of your own? Cause you have a voice now mm-hmm. in USPSA. Does that, does that scare you? No, it doesn't necessarily scare me. I mean, people ask my opinion about things and they can take it as they want, but I don't know all the facts either though. I, I honestly don't. And sometimes I'd rather not know them. Right. It's just, it's concerning for some of these things <clears throat> to see, but it's definitely, it's got to take its actions. I can't make a brash decision and make one blanket statement on things. I got to see more facts come out. Okay. To make- but people have had to come to you here at the Area 5 USPSA Championship and ask you about it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They've talked to me about it, and they voice their concerns. And I'm like, well, I, I understand those concerns. But what are those concerns that you're hearing? Uh, that the org, you know, they're they're mismanaged. They The board is making whatever decision they want to do. They're making some reason. They're making us a decision because they have some information, but I can't judge them because I don't know what they've got in for information wise. Okay, but your next, your next, your your stage next to you has got Rick, the mm-hmm. Area Five director. Have you had much time to walk over and talk to him? Um, I've talked to Rick. Um, he's he's a very nice. He, he's your area director, right? Yes, he's my area director. Okay. So what kind of relationship do you and Rick have? 
Uh, Rick and I, I think we're on a good mutual relationship. We uh, we communicate, and he a- I ask questions, he answers uh, as best as he can with what information he can share. Uh, but I enjoy Rick as a person. Rick right. is a very nice guy. He will he would give you the shirt off his back right. until you do him wrong. Right? Do you get clear understanding from what's been going on lately with the with the um, organization based on talking to Rick or or to talking to or talking to other people on, online and the internet? Where are you um, getting your clarification from? Or what clarification I, you do I, have? If I have concerns, I will talk to Rick. Whatever he can share with me, he does, and mm-hmm. it's. I don't try to ask all the. I don't try to get too much into the weeds with it. To be honest with you, Brian, I, okay. it's like it 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 hurts me a little bit that to get into all that. It's what do you like, mean by hurt? Because that's a very important word to use in this situation. What do you mean by that? Because uh, what what does that mean to you? Hurt? It, it just it's like I can't make any brash decisions on it, and I sometimes <laughs> ignorance is a little bliss, and it's like I like to shoot. Sometimes I just don't care about getting too stuck suck up into something because it just makes you not want to enjoy the sport for what it is. Okay. And I, and honestly, I like shooting so much that it's just like, if the org is going to go through some hiccups, they're going to go through it. Mm -hmm. It's not going to truly affect me to a personal level until we can't shoot USPSA anymore. Right. Have you heard people say that they agree with what's going on right now with the board of people you talk to? Have you heard both sides of of that? Um, I haven't heard a lot of um, people agreeing. Um, they're more upset with the current circumstances that happened, um, you know, this week. Um, they're voicing their concerns, and it's like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I'm not saying anyone's right or wrong in the situation. It's like, I understand your concerns. Mm-hmm. What do you see the light at the end of the tunnel based on what you've seen? I'll see some light on the end of the tunnel. No, I, as I see, is you know, everyone they've got to go through appeals. People in this week have to go through their appeals, and they're not quite there yet. Okay. Because by the time this releases, you know, decisions have probably already been made, mm-hmm. realistically. And so we can play hypothetical for a second, which I don't normally like doing. Mm-hmm. And if, if if people are gone from the organization, knowing we're sitting now three days after the announcement has been made, so I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Mm-hmm. When this release is probably going to be over a month from now, and it may be in a situation where that decision has been made or it may not have been made. How would you feel if certain people aren't in the organization anymore? Um, if they're not in the organization anymore, I hope they have legitimate proof and facts to base up that instead mm-hmm. of opinions and feelings. Okay. If they're in the org mm-hmm. still, how does that make you feel as well? Um, it'd be fine. I mean, I would be glad if they all stay in the org and, uh, we just had a little hiccup with, uh, some personalities and, um, some misinformation. Okay. So you think that... The communication with the board as of right now, nobody really knows what's going on enough to know mm-hmm. what side is on either way, correct? Right. We don't, not, the whole the whole curtain has not been pulled back, and we don't have we don't know what everybody knows. As and, as members of the USPSA, do you think it should? Honestly, the regular membership, honestly, you know, they don't care. They just, like I said, they wanted to shoot the matches. But for the people who are invested and who are staying up to date with the minutes, mm-hmm. they should be able to have information that is appropriate to the situation and what needs to be to be shared. Then I have a great I have I just thought about this and it just hit me. Do you think the hobbyists don't care and the people that are in this for the sport do care? You think that's the dividing line? That's a, it's a, and, I would say it's even it's, greater it's than up, that. It's up for discussion because I just I just thought about that myself. Well, yeah, I will say your baseline very much a hobbyist doesn't care. They don't know what's going on in the org. They just know that they get their classification updated on 
the uh, USPSA website. They can shoot club matches. They can go shoot majors. You know, they're fine. Mm-hmm. But the person who's super invested and they call this a sport, they're probably a little concerned. Okay. And they probably do care. And there's some people who are just too fed up with all the drama that they don't care about the drama. Right. And they're just going to go and shoot. But they, they care about the sport. Do you think the the everything's gone too far with the internet on that? I think it's encroached a little too far in the personal lives of, you know, everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, you're, everyone's entitled to a private life. Right. And the internet has definitely encroached on everyone's privacy. If you post it on the internet, that's fair game. But when you post other people's information or um lifestyles on the internet that i think that's a little too far because they didn't put us to post it out there in the first place right the people that run the organization have their you know fiduciary mm-hmm. responsibility to continue you know the organization for the best of the organization based on what you've seen behind the curtain do you have an excitement about new people that may be coming in to run the organization in the future based on what you've heard. I'm always excited to see new faces and new people putting a stake into the organization and really want to and make the sport and the organization a better version of itself. Not saying that the board and the people in charge aren't doing what they think is right right mm-hmm. now. Right. But there always can be a better future to the org and uh, definitely improvements can be made. Yeah. Now, because I know you're good friends with Life Conkle. Mm-hmm. And he's thinking about running for Area 5. Do you ever think yourself as running for an area director one day? Uh, actually, yes. I've honestly considered running for Area 5. I know Rick is not planning to run right. at, for his re-election in, at 2025. So he'd be, would be voting in 2024. So you want to run for Area Director in 2024 this quick? Yes. I honestly think oh, I okay. want to run for Area 5. I want the best man for the job. Okay. So if that's Leif Kunkel, myself, or yeah. anyone else thinking of running... Everyone run. I, more people to vote for, the better who care for the sport. You have a business background that would you think would help you run the Oregon situation? Or? Yeah. I ran, um, I was a, an assistant manager for a while at some chain stores. And okay. I definitely know how to put the right person in the right place. And I uh, definitely think I could do a good job at what I think I can do. Well, that's cool. I didn't know that. So I could a little news there. So that's good. I hope that are you ready for the scrutiny though? Yeah, I think, I don't think, I think anybody who gets in there, nobody's going to be happy. And that's kind right. of right. Everyone's a critic that, and so. I'm fine if everyone being critical of me. If you ask me a question, I'm not going to not give you an answer for the most part. I mean, if I've got in my facts straight, I want to make the right decision. If it takes me a minute and say, I have no comment at that time, that's what I've got to say. Cause I don't have enough facts. Right. I can't make a hair um, hair line decision for something that I really don't know much about. So being in a situation where you definitely care that much about the organization and you're definitely wanting to move forward in the future, do you think um, that's going to be part for the sport for you or going to get more into the, you know, to the liability of the company and the concern there is to make it a part of your, you know, entire lifestyle. What is that? You know, that's a big step. Yeah, it'd definitely be a big step on the lifestyle. Um, I know a lot of people put a lot more time into it than I do. Mm-hmm. And I've even talked to the, the, the wife and it's like, hey, this happens. Like, I'm going to do my best, but it's going to be hard for a little while to get my feet on the ground with the org and whatnot. But it's definitely a big time sink. And she's already understanding now. She kind of gave up some vacations for me to be able to do what I like to do. So, right. Now, do so when you basically do vacation time now, it's, it's for shooting. 
Uh, yes, mostly. She, she travel around a lot with you as well. Uh, what we can like, look, luckily enough, this is we're at Area Five Championship. That's my local club. So right. luckily, I'm like an hour away from home. So. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. Do you see a situation where to get back on the org real quick? Do you see a situation where you would things you would do differently now, based on what you've seen? What would you do different? Um, I'd probably change some things. Uh, nothing I can't really think of off the top of my head, but I definitely get all the facts. I definitely listen to my um, area, all the people email in. Um, if someone's got a good idea, I'll push that good idea if I think it's the right idea or other people are saying, hey, we'd like to see this. Right. So I definitely be the I'd be the voice for my area on the board. OK, because that's what I hear a lot of people saying, you know, listen to the members, listen to the members and everything else. But is how do, what does that mean? I mean, because we can say listen to the members. We can say do this and that. And we, we've got a presidential election that's getting ready to, you know, do, you know, come up again with mm-hmm. with a, with a um, runoff and everything else. They're saying the same thing, but nobody's given detail. You know, is there is there, you know, listening and hearing are two different things. Listening and putting action is two different things. Right. What does that really look like when we get in a situation where what that does? I mean. What does that look like for you to be, to listen? I mean, I get what you're saying, but I don't, it doesn't tell me anything. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I honestly, it's taking the facts and honestly, not everyone's going to agree either. To be honest, like you'll have some membership who wants this and the other 50% wants this. What do you do is the right call. And then do you talk to your other area directors and see what they're saying? Yeah. And what their areas want. Then I get it. I'm just, I'm just, you know, it's, it's hard because who do you, li- you know, who's right on listening to the members, right? It's okay. Do you, do you listen to the 50% here or the 50% here or the majority or the, or the minority? And it's, or how do you make both sides happy? Right. But the area directors taking the company mm-hmm. of where it's going to go next. Right. That, 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 that means somebody has got to be a visionary. At some point, somebody's got to be looking in the future. Yeah, that, well, that, all, all eight of them better be at some mm-hmm. at some level. Right. But that's why I'm, you know, what's the future look like for this? I mean, we we've got Steel Challenge, we've got USPSA. Do you think USPSA should be over other shooting sports? I would like to see it. I'd be honest. I think uh, you think they should be the governing body for more than you know the governing body for multi gun, governing body for this and Steel Challenge and, and this, but. What about other, you know, other things are out there? Do you think they should be the governing body for everything? Honestly, I would like to see them add more. I'd like to see them become the, like you said, multi-gun. We, I would love to get into multi-gun and play that sport too. Right. But everyone's got their outlaw rules. I'd love one unified rule set that everyone can agree on. And maybe you have to tweak it for your club under the rules, right? Mm-hmm. To make things a little, you know, for safety purposes and whatnot. But if you're able to go to any multi-gun match and say in the Midwest that has the same rule set, or even down in um, Alabama or Florida, mm-hmm. and be on the same playing field as every other competitor. That's what, that'd be awesome. I'd even honestly, I'd like a falling steel match, kind of like the pro am. Right. I would love to see that back because that was one of the things that brought me into the sport. Watching Max, JJ, KC shoot down steel. Um, like, right. you know, I've been influenced a lot by media and what I've consumed, and it mm-hmm. really, it kind of sparked all this love for shooting. Right. It, it, where do you see the shooting sports fitting into the media world? You know. I know a lot of people talk about they want to make it mainstream and get it on television, honestly. But our sport is very hard. I would say it's very hard to enjoy on the television for the most part for the average, you know, watcher on the TV. Tell me why. 
Uh, well, the, you know, you got to understand hit factor scoring and under under the basic pur- purposes, points per second. But how the, the leaderboard works up is a very intricate, complicated thing for most people to even understand. So based on that thought process to do a media driven sport, you would think it need announcer, somebody talking through the sport like they do in major sporting events to be able to explain it because mm-hmm. the entire world understands football. Yes, everyone understands it, football. It's not because they played football. It's because they listen to the announcers describe exactly what's going on in football with the rules, why it was called this way and everything else, and it's a repetition situation. Mm-hmm. Same way in baseball. Yeah. You know, nobody grew up just knowing the rules of baseball, but back in the back in the eighties and nineties, that's baseball was huge and the rules were explained and everything was understood. So how do we get to the next level in the shooting sports to make it more understandable like that because we're doing live feeds you know Mm -hmm. that it happens all the time i go out and do live you've done live Mm -hmm. live is huge but do we need to more you know are we doing live for what's already shooting the sport or we doing live to reach more shooters honestly we you you do both but it's kind of hard because you do it at base level, someone's going to enjoy it. Some, you know, casual person's going to, I was like, that looks really cool. But the person watching Max and Casey shoot on the live stream are like, oh, I'm watching them, learning some techniques or how I can improve your game from just watching them shoot and see the efficiency they have. Mm-hmm. But for most people, it's just inter- raw entertainment. I love watching, even rewatching the live stream from Nationals, even though it's got some hiccups. Mm-hmm. I loved watching shooters. Even I wasn't even able to go to nationals last year. Right. But I still was able to experience nationals through watching those. Okay. So did you take time off from work or watch it at work? What that look like when you're just watching nationals? Oh, I was watching oh. it at work. I got okay. paid to watch nationals. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. So did you, when you're at work watching nationals, did any other you know, your, of your uh, other, um, Employees with you watch with you? Oh, absolutely. I made my coworker watch it with me. Okay. Was that a situation where you were able to educate somebody else about the shooting sports? Yes. They they are a firearms enthusiast. They're pro gun. They love the Second Amendment, but they didn't understand necessarily what we did until I was like, watch this. Right. So but you were able to explain to him mm-hmm. why he was watching it, the rules? For the most part. I mean, usually yeah, you know, tell him you gotta you know, follow the written stage brief, which you obviously don't see on the live stream, but right. You know, and you, you shoot them all the to- those targets, and he got a kick out of it. Um, I think actually I'm going to take him to some steel challenge here in the winter because mm-hmm. he bought, I think, a PCC. So we're going to take him out and we're going to have right. some fun. So you validated my point, though. Mm-hmm. If you weren't there being able to talk to him why it's going on when he had his questions, there's the announcer. Right. And honestly, you need an <laughs> announcer. You've got to figure it. But I don't know if you, you have it like they show the play. We'll show the run, and then you got the announcer for 30 seconds or the two, three minutes. Or oh, they, it's based on who's doing their make ready. They got plenty of time. Well, <laughs> that too. But well, and honestly, like I know a lot of people complain about live streamers that they saw the, that the, I don't want to call them nobodies, but the casualist or the people who are not the super squad. I, I watched, enjoy watching everybody. Okay. You know, entertainment value, but because there, there are other shooters out there that, you know, that complain that all we, all the USPSA does is show regular shooters and they want to see the people that are dominating. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see their point, but I mean, the sport is not made up just for them. This is a sport for everybody. Okay. Everyone can come out. Everyone can be a member. Anyone can come shoot nationals. For they the most can, part. but if you, if you saw, if you saw videos when you were, did you only watch the superstars? 
when you were watching videos on YouTube? Um, at the time, yeah, because I was watching a program called what was it not top hot shots mm -hmm. it was on youtube it was a four season series you know followed max and um, right. jerry mitchell like around right but so you did watch the top guys but i i enjoy watching the everybody's because i'm an everybody i'm not a I'm well, not, where, where i'm going with my questioning on that is were you intimidated when you think well i'm gonna go out here and do what these guys are doing i've been watching there's no way i'm as fast as they are so where's the is the intimidation factor why did the intimidation factor not keep you away because I knew I, I, I know I'm not them. I know I'm not at that level and I'm real with myself. I know okay. I'm not the best. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm, I'm good enough, but I'm not, I'm not great. I'm my classification. Okay. So if you saw a bunch of people just getting into the sport that were the everyday shooters, the, the A, B and C class shooters that are out there and you watch them shoot this sport, mm -hmm. would you feel like, Hey, I know I can do better than that. And then go, would that motivate you? That, that, that's that's a lot yeah. of question I'm going into. If, so if you see that side of the shooter mm -hmm. shooting and say, well, that's just an, I guess just an everyday guy doing it. Does that make, you know, I'm trying to understand, do you think you should see more, you know, of the superstars or more of the just everyday casual shooter, a blend of both? I get that's an I easy answer. Blend but of I mean, both. My personal preference would be find a way if you're going to live stream it, split screen it or you know how you got like most streaming television, like YouTube TV, for example, there's okay. a, there's a menu, okay, right? So, and if you can follow around on the squad matrix mm -hmm. and be like, well, I want to go to stage 10 because I know right. the super squad's rolling in or my friend is on stage eight. He's about to shoot. Right. So I'm going to go watch their squad. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're able to do it like that and just for like the per casual person watching at home. Right. That's enjoyable because you're like, oh, yeah, I saw you run. You did good. That know? makes it a lot more interactive. But the, mm -hmm. the money to do that, it's astronomical. Un it's untouchable right now. I right don't now. See, I don't say that's touchable. What, what, as, a, as a future area director, how do you fix that? Well, well, technology makes gets more and more expensive and doing things gets a lot more expensive because you got to pay for skill, equipment and investment in, in, in materials. And mm -hmm. it's a hard mix. And. I don't know how you make everybody happy at that point. Well, no, I'm not talking about making them happy. I'm talking about getting money. Mm -hmm. You know, what? what do you have ideas to bring money to the org? Well, you've tried to find some way to get some manufacturer or some company to back it at some point. And In the gun industry or outside the gun industry? We've got to at some point try to get some money from the outside of the gun industry because the gun industry can't pay for it all. And I don't think they really want to. I mean, they can't fit the bill for everything. Okay. You live in Michigan. Mm -hmm. It's a questionable state based on what elections happening which you know it is and it and, it, and it, a lot of the state is run by your your major cities because mm -hmm. based on the people that vote and when you're out here where we're at in beautiful brooklyn michigan you know that everybody's goes has a, has a right of freedom everywhere and they have different feelings throughout the entire state of course mm -hmm. where do you see big companies thinking it's okay to support People firing a gun, and in the same breath, they're trying to sell the same people that live in the major cities because there's more volume there, and that's where their main people are buying their products from. That's mm -hmm. the that's the biggest hurdle, right? It is. It definitely is, and it's hard. You got to find the right person. You might not be able to work with like Coca Cola or Pepsi themselves, but you could might be able to go and talk to distributors, right? Local distributors in your area, mm -hmm. even for like your local mat, you know, your major matches in your local areas. Right. You might not be able to go talk to Coke or Pepsi, but you can go talk to ex the distributor there and be able to like, hey, can you provide water for us? Yeah. Have you been a match director yet? 
Uh, I've been a local match director, but really? I have a major match coming up in 2023 that I am the match director for. Do you really? Yep. What Are you reaching out to those local companies around there to try to get some extra sponsorship to prove that it can be done? I will be. I have to uh, figure, finalize some sponsorship levels and some things that we really need. Okay. Um, soon as Area 5 is off the ground, I start working on finalizing a lot of things and get the ball rolling for my match. Good. Because you need to, you know, don't wait to the last minute. <laughs> no, I am very much a planner and I will be moving forward. Well, because companies, ha- companies do their budget for mm-hmm. 2023 at the end of 2022. Major companies are already have a budget put in for that and how much money they're going to spend. So exactly. What do you, do you have a way to, you, have you thought of a, the 30 second elevator pitch to go to the, the local beverage company to try to do get water donated or something. Have you thought that far into it yet? Um, a little bit. I've figured things I haven't thought about like water and stuff like that, but I've thought about, you know, the Porta Johns and whatnot mm-hmm. and be able to communicate with those people and tell them, I mean, like, honestly, the little town that we were in, we brought a lot of money into the town mm-hmm. just for tourism in our, in the area. So I have some ideas to get sponsorships for things that the match necessarily needs, not necessarily just for the prize table. Mm-hmm but to make the match a better match. Right. What do you, you, do you have plans to show the sponsors you're going to like videos of what this sport looks like? Have you thought about that? A little bit. Yep. I've got some, I've some thoughts on that one. And so it's still in the work in the progress, but definitely thinking of ways of pitching the uh, sponsorship. Cause you know, when I brought kind of gold, Mm-hmm. on the Hunter's HD Go Magical Mystery Tour back in the end of um, 2020. It was after Nationals. And I went to their their place where they sell it as well because of their home office. Mm-hmm. And um, I, told, I told the CEO, I said, I got two questions for you, but I got to ask you the first question first. And the first question is, how do you feel about the Second Amendment gun control? Where do you, where do you, where do you fit on all this? I got it. Cause I got a meeting with him finally. Cause I right. buy stuff. And he, he, and his answer was, I love the, I love the second amendment. I don't care anything about gun control. I'm, I'm a gun guy. Mm-hmm. I was like, sweet. I can ask my second question. <laughs> yes. And then my second question was, have you ever, you know, I knew about what they already sponsored, you know, some water skiers, some BMXers and stuff like that. So you have to know about their company going into it. And I was right. able to say, you know, Hey, I know you sponsor all these, this, 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 what do you, what do you think about sponsoring, you know, the shooting sports? And he goes, well, I see you come in here, you know, once a, you know, every time, once a quarter or something like that, then I'm frost proof years when I was down there every quarter mm-hmm. at a match and I'm buying product direct for my personal consumption. And, you know, he goes, tell me about it. And that's when I, you know, we sat down, I actually got to show him videos on my phone. I got to show him pictures and I got to show him, you know, I said, there's two things that people are doing every morning when they walk up to the range and they're either drinking coffee or drinking an energy drink. Yeah. And they get, that's when I got his attention. I had to find his, and that's what got his attention. So that's the, you know, you've got to, there's a lot that goes into it when you reach out to companies. Cause I, I, I was ready for him to say, you know, no, and his the word thing. Next thing was, what's it going to cost me? And I, you know, I had to get him a plan for that. So, and it worked out. We're here today. We're drinking kind of gold, mm-hmm. and he's a huge. You know, he, he just got through sponsoring the the Trident match. Sent him a lot of kind of gold, and then was a state was a sponsor at the, the Trident match up mm-hmm. in Maine because he called me up and goes, "Hey, I've got these guys reaching out to me from Maine." I was like, "What?" And then he said, "Oh, I know those guys. Yeah, they're good." He goes, "Okay, I'm getting ready to send them a get ready to send them a lot of kind of gold." And so that's he's even taking the next steps now. So mm-hmm. I, I wish you luck. On you. I look forward to, you know, because I think what you can do with that local match, if you can grab those people and go to those um, manufacturers or, or b- different businesses that don't even know about the shooting sports and be able to open that up, that's going to be a heck of a um, story 
to be able to tell, you know, future area five voters what mm-hmm. you can do in the area. So that's a good, that's, I look forward to hearing your success on that. So, well, thank you, Brian. And I, I definitely hope I can do the, I'm going to try my best to get the best match on the ground for the sport, the mm-hmm. community and, you know, the businesses like my spot sponsors really help make the match happen. But uh, without the people on the ground, the, the match wouldn't happen at no, all. I get it. I get it hundred percent. Um, if you don't win, mm-hmm. do, do, you, do you feel like a personal setback or just not time? What does that look like? Hell no. I think the, if the best person wins for the job, that's who should win. Okay. I don't care if I get zero votes if I run or if I get all the votes. Well, I, don't be like Bruce and don't care. It drives me crazy because <laughs> when he said that the other day on the live, I was like, no, you care. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, it's I, not going to hurt me personally if <laughs> right. I get no votes. Right. long as the best person for the job gets the job, I'm happy. And long okay. as the organization will be fine. Now, if I don't win Area 5, maybe I'll become the Michigan sectional coordinator. Okay. So I, I'm not going to go away just because I don't win the, uh, do the you, area director. Do you, do, you, do you feel there should be a level of doing the time as a section coordinator before you even should think about doing an area? I think you should understand what the section coordinator's job is. Depending okay. on what your bylaws and your section are, understand that, well, in Michigan, for example, you need to be a club member of one of our section clubs for two years before you can run for uh, the section coordinator position. Okay. And in that time, I think you can really, if you, if you travel around to enough clubs, you can learn a lot about what's different that at your club, than at their club, the, the dynamic, the, the clicks essentially. Right. What kind of shooting styles everybody has, but understanding what all is entailed and even talking to the section coordinator at the time, mm-hmm. like, what do you do? Like, is it just dealing with a bunch of crap or drama? And it's like, or do people actually come with you with, with issues? And I know our section coordinator quite well, and uh, he's he does his best. Because that's my focus next is going to be the section coordinators with other you know people I talk to because I want to know what they do. Mm-hmm. You know what have you talked to your section coordinator about what he does and what he doesn't do, or what he likes about it, or what he don't like about it? Have you had those conversations? Yeah, I've talked with our section coordinator Walt. He's the range master here, one of the range masters here today. Right. Um, a lot of, you know, he deals with a lot of people, but really it's not too bad up here. Like there's not too much he has to worry about. Now, if they've got a vote and he's got to hold a section meeting, that's not mm-hmm. too bad. It's like, so you're just like, you're sure when, you know, you, well, there's responsibilities now by mm-hmm. the section coordinators, because if, if something happens where somebody can't finish their term, their job is to nominate an well, area director. So that's a pretty big responsibility now. Yeah. Well, and if, and it all depends, I mean, on, I think it depends on what you're level of participation as that even at that job is too like you know some section coordinators probably don't do as much as the next one okay or they're like it depends on what their bylaws stay too you know that's a big thing that i don't think a lot of the general membership understands is mm-hmm. like section has their own bylaws like right here in our state in our section um there's a certain percentage of the match fee your match fee goes back towards the section to then put on help fund the the start of the sectional match right for the next year is there things about the bylaws that are in Michigan now that you don't like? They're not terrible, but I haven't um, really uh, read through with a fine tooth comb other than the top level. Right. But um, it was definitely, uh, there's nothing really concerning there. It's just, it shows where the needs money needs to go and uh, mm-hmm. how the structure kind of works. You know, we've got our, our section coordinator, the assistant coordinator um, that really, you know, just fills in if the coordinator can't do their job at the moment. Right. And then the treasurer, and then you've just got your, club match directors that uh, make the votes on that, Mm -hmm. the sectional board. Well, you're in a situation where you've came in the sport fast. Mm -hmm. You've excelled in the sport fast. 
you're looking for the growth of the sport to be fast. Everything's been happening real fast, which is wonderful. I, I applaud you for it because it's not a lot. What I, is burnout real? Do you do you see that as yourself? Do you, or I know you say you're all in, you're all in, and just like you were with you know growing up doing different things that you know you don't do now. But what do you think that looks like? You know, do people get burnout because they aren't? getting what they want or they get burnt out because they just realize that they're the only one that really cares. What do you think burnout looks like for some people? I think a lot of people burnout's a little different. Sometimes it's mental, it's physical, uh, it's emotional, but um, you got to be able to take the right steps and know your triggers to then I need to take a break. Okay. I need to slow down just to tick. Right. Um, for myself, I know like I was super busy and I would dry fire all the time, seven days a week. And I'm like, this is not sustainable. And I realized that. So then okay. I was like, well, maybe five. And sometimes it's whenever I feel like it. So it's, mm -hmm. it's definitely you take it as much as you can and know your limits. Don't try to go past your limits, I think. Mm -hmm. And we all take need to take a break at some point. Do you think you got personal burnout with all the stuff going on, on the Internet? A little bit. I would say, yeah, I'm burnout on seeing it. Like I definitely have unfollowed and or have blocked people that I just don't want to see it from right now. Okay. Okay. Do um what's next for you? You got beside we talked about what's next as far as long term goals, but you know, you seem to move pretty fast. A lot's gonna happen over the next six months. If I know you like like I think I know you. What's 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 over the horizon before the end of the year next year? Well, definitely I've got um some big plans to make for the twenty twenty three Chile Custom Gunworks Michigan sectional. Okay. Uh, that's gonna be the first weekend of June. So okay. hopefully if you can, we'll have you back. Yeah. Because uh, it's a it's beautiful a range. Game. Yeah, I love this range. It's it's fantastic. I love it. It's it's and it's my right in my backyard, so I right. can't complain. Um, definitely the podcast is going to be growing. Um, I did it. Uh, it's it's always just for fun, really. You know, I get to talk to people, and you get it. You know, that's how it does start off just for just for fun or just for what it is. But then it gets you realize how many people are actually depending on it to get information because now you have yeah. that responsibility, which took me back to my question earlier with people getting you know suspended in this and that for what they feel is just telling what their opinion is. And, mm -hmm. you know, we know it's a little bit deeper than on some situations, but does that, that's why I asked if it scared you or not based on what the future of podcast even look like for some of these people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it's definitely uh, the podcast life can definitely make or break people too. And it's like, so I'm looking forward to, you know, improving, uh, making it better. Um, I'm actually looking at bringing on uh, some way to uh, not necessarily monetize it, but make it, worth more while for me and the listeners to make it even better quality. So okay. I'm looking at that. So uh, we're, we're growing up uh, where we've at this point, we've already had 60 episodes. We're going, uh, we're hitting hundred soon. So that'll That's be exciting. Awesome. Are you, do you, did you have goals when you started doing your podcast or is it just like, Hey, I want to use this and see what, you know, connections I can make. What other goals did you have? I was super excited when I had like 50 downloads. Right. Right. And I was like, I was like, sweet. People actually like, people actually listen to this. Like, mm -hmm. You know, because I did it, you know, to talk to people and then everyone, you get the messages on Instagram. It's like, oh, or, or wherever you get them or emails. I even get emails from people. It's like, oh, I love this. Or, oh, you should bring this person. I'm like, okay, I can do that. I can. Mm -hmm. And the worst what someone can tell me is no. Right. Um, I've had only one person tell me no. Right. But they, they knew it was a conflict for the, their personality type. They just like, no one wants to listen to me because I'm an asshole. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I don't care who I talk to. If you don't right. like it, just flip to the next episode. Right, exactly. And, and that's honestly true. It's like, if you don't like it, well, there's some podcasts I listen to. That right. It's like, well, don't care. Next. No, I get it. I get it. But now you've got sponsors even because, you know, Go Fast Don't Suck is now, you know, sponsoring your podcast and you're looking for other sponsors as well, you said. So you're growing, you know, it's, it's now a, you know, 
there. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's get, it, it, before long, everything gets bigger than us. And it's like, we just have to hold on. That's why, you know, when you start doing all this stuff and you start planning this, planning that, it, it will become nonstop. Mm-hmm. I can say that based on my own lifestyle <laughs> for the past five years. So, right. And I'm very lucky that Bill has uh, supported the podcast for a long time. Um, I'm very grateful for our friendship and uh, being able to talk to him when I need to and uh, pretty much helps me out whatever I need. So that's really cool. Uh, He does all the banners. He does your banners. He does my banners. Um, uh, It's whatever I need from Bill. Bill is super supportive. He loves the sport and he's going to help anybody he can. Well, it sounds like you love the sport just as much, if not more, because I won't say more because I don't know Bill's. Well, Bill really loves the sport. Well, Bill supports a lot, but you're definitely doing a lot to be there, you know, and do what you're going to do. So, um, how can people reach out to you and get in touch with you? Alex? Um, if you want to get a hold of me, you can email me at Manny shooting at gmail.com or Manny talk shooting on Instagram. I don't have Facebook. Um, I learned a long time ago that Facebook was uh, not my thing. So I, okay. uh, uh, it's just Instagram and the email uh, or YouTube, Manny talk shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll find a new episode every week, Monday, 9am Eastern time. So you'll, uh, see that every week. I will not miss an episode because that uh, that just kills viewership. So no, it just stresses me out. I just <laughs> hey, you just record them and they edit them, right? <laughs> yeah, but I pay. I, 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 I need to reach out to sponsors at some point, I guess. But it's one of those things. Is um, yeah, it costs a lot to get everything done. That's mm-hmm. for sure. It's not cheap anymore, but that's part of it as well. But it's it seems to be great for you and great for me to be able to be able to educate people on the, on the shooting sports and the Second Amendment because I you know I truly believe without the Second without the shooting sports the Second Amendment be even more trouble than it seems to be sometimes, you know. And speaking of that, you know, on the Second Amendment side, have you been able to do more outreach for that since you got into the shooting sports? Or has it still just been more focused on the shooting sports and that will, you know, help the Second Amendment? Um, I do. I definitely do talk about the Second Amendment a lot. Um, people mm-hmm. ask me, it's like, well, what is this? And then, you know, and we, we we go down that rabbit hole of like, well, what do you talk, you know, how do you feel about firearms and what does that mean? You know, 2020 changed a lot of people. We bought, there was a lot of new gun owners in 2020. So mm-hmm. it definitely changes the demographic of my maybe my audience or even the the general person who likes sec- who believes in the Second Amendment now that things have changed because they want to be able to protect themselves. Right. So uh, it's definitely a question I don't shy away from, and I wish more people asked. You know, what do you what's the Second Amendment mean to you? Right. So um, it, they they run tandem. You know, we need the shooting sports to protect the Second Amendment. We need the Second Amendment to protect shooting sports. So mm-hmm. it's a symbiotic relationship that we both all need. Well, good deal. Well said. Well said. Anything else, Alex? No, not really. I mean, uh, thank you, Brian, for really bringing me on. This has been fun. Uh, you know, I've listened to every episode, and uh, <laughs> thank you. I mean, you've been there from my beginning, right? You were yeah. listening before I when I started, so. Yeah. Uh, it's always been fun, and I, I was hoping this day would come. So No, it definitely needed to. It's just one of those things been trying to, you know, travel around. I do these all in person, and we've only met each other a couple of times. I think I met you for the first time last year at um, Ryan Rocks. Yep, met at Ryan Michigan, Rocks. So. But it seemed like we knew each other as soon as we walked up to each yeah, other. Yeah, so. because I, I, every time you pop on live on Instagram, I'm usually there hanging out for a little bit and see what's going on and say if there's any news dropping. That's what I do. I'm all over the internet mm-hmm. for what latest news droppings, because it's a 24-hour cycle just like anything else. If yeah. something comes out that's bad, it, I give it and be okay tomorrow so so well good deal well if there's nothing else you know thank you so much for listening to this episode of hunters hd go behind the lens make sure to check it out on youtube as well we have video there now and if you have any questions for me or alex himself feel free to email me at info at hunters but until next time we'll see you at the range soon thanks alex